Thank you for listening to the BJJ Brick Podcast. We'll be bringing you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and good times. We hope to flatten your Jiu-Jitsu learning curve, help you get the most out of your grappling ability, and meet your goals both on and off the mat. Welcome back, my friends. This is episode 154 of the BJJ Brick Podcast. My name is Byron. I'm here with Gary, and today we have an episode we're talking about scrambling. Gary, how you doing? Man, I am so excited for this Eggs Benedict over-easy <laughs> special here. No, we're going to scramble them. It's not over-easy. Not uh, I always break the yolk anyway, so might as well go ahead and scramble these things, Gary. Yep, you know what I always say, the BJJ Brick Podcast. Yokes and chokes. What yes. a good time. <laughs> yep, or chokes and jokes. Either way, uh, it works out great, Gary. So excited. This is uh, this is a little bit new for us. We did this last month as well. Uh, last episode of the month, we did a topic episode. Uh, how to how to like tips about bringing your friend to class and how that make that go successful. Today, another topic: scrambling. So uh, yeah. we'll get to that. Every now and, and then, we like to try to come out of our shell. Yeah, and do something a little different. Got to got to change it up. Got to keep it uh, keep everybody on their toes, Gary. It's good to yeah, be on your toes, yeah. especially if there's gonna be a scramble. If you're on your toes, you get a little bit jump start. Yeah, you got that right. <laughs> but uh, excited for this. We'll we'll uh, have some stuff to say to hopefully help you out uh, when they when the game did, gets to the scramble part of it. Uh, maybe you'll do a little bit better the next time than last time. Okay. Speaking of trying to help people out, uh, check out the audio book. We'll have a link to it in the show notes. It's your first year in BJJ. It's only eleven dollars and ninety nine cents. Two and a half hours of content, and basically, it's going to take you through the all the stuff you're going to encounter in your first year from you know trying to find a perfect school which is so important if, if you find a school that doesn't necessarily fit into your lifestyle your hours uh, near you or you just don't click with you know let's say the the type of instruction or the coach it's probably not going to be a good fit and there's a good chance you might not stick with it so you know one of the very important chapters in this uh, audiobook is uh, you know how to pick the right school so definitely check it out it's got great reviews it's called your first year in BJJ and only eleven dollars ninety nine cents. And all the money from this uh, audiobook goes to support the show. So thank you. Yep, there we go. Uh, every week we're making a show, and if you want it delivered to you in your email box, all the show notes and everything, uh, the best way to do that is to get on the email list. You can either go to our website bjjbrick.com or to our Facebook page. Enter your name and email address. Every every uh, week, we'll send you a link to the uh, download of the podcast and all the show notes right there for you to enjoy and, and to check out. So uh, if you enjoyed last week with uh, Nikki Ryan and you want to go follow my Instagram, the link's right there in your inbox. So uh, it could be nice and easy for you. Nice and easy, just like scrambling your eggs. So definitely check it out. Speaking of nice, Gary, our Patreon supporters are very nice to us. We have uh, Alexander, Greggy, Sean, and Rob. They've been supporting the show. Uh, outstanding. We definitely appreciate their support on Patreon. If you're interested in supporting the show uh, to help us keep on doing what we're doing, check out the video that will be in the show notes, either in your inbox or on the website, and uh, and learn more about our Patreon program that we have going on. Yep, definitely a shout-out to our four musketeers of Patreon. So thank you guys for your support. <laughs> All right, my friends, I'm happy to have Jeremy on here to share a quick message about somebody uh, uh, who's been on the show and needs a little bit of help. Jeremy, welcome to the BJ Brick Podcast. 
Hey, Byron. How you doing? Thanks doing, for having me. Doing good. And uh, uh, he's a uh, training partner, uh, so uh, definitely know Jeremy quite well, and, and I'm happy to have him on the show. And uh, Jeremy has done uh, – it seems like when somebody is in need of help, uh, Jeremy is some person – locally who seems to always step up so uh definitely notice that about you and admire that in uh in who you are jeremy yeah, thanks you know uh, it's just uh something that can be done you know for me at least um having the means to be able to help somebody um and and just being able to pull together uh within the bjj community and and make that stuff happen it's um it's just as simple as asking and everybody just Jumps on 100% when asked. Um, I've since I've been with the gym, um, we've done a bunch of things, and we usually get just about 100% participation from everybody there. So it it was really easy to to decide to do this one. Yep. So uh, Jeremy, tell me what's going on. What are we uh, we're doing a fundraiser? What's going on, man? So the fundraiser is to help Alan Chabarro's father out. Recently. Um, Alan had posted to social media that um, his father was diagnosed with uh, ATS, which is a, a severe form of thyroid cancer. Um, he said that it was very aggressive um, and that it required you know, specialized treatment, um, of which there's only two places that deal with this specific uh, cancer. Alan and his family, you know, did everything that they could to, um, you know, get his dad there and get him in the treatment. But as anybody that's familiar with cancer knows, uh, the the cost is is tremendous to to treat it. Um, even more so once you start digging into um, specialized treatment for very rare forms of of cancer. And Alan had posted. Uh, that his father was taking a a medication regimen that was expensive and then he gave the example of one one specific medication per day is costing $8,000. Looking at that and and into his post as well, um, it was just struck me as something that we could help with. I personally have you know, had a lot of family issues with cancer. So I, I'm, I'm very familiar with um, the costs of it and, and the burden that puts on the family members um, because they want to do everything that they can to, you know, give their loved ones that, that fighting chance. And unfortunately, it, it costs a lot of money. So um, I spoke with Jake, uh, Jake Fox, the, the head instructor at the gym and you know, he, he agreed with me and, and said that we could uh, definitely do something to help Alan out and, you know, to help generate some, some money to help his father get that chance that, you know, anybody would be willing to do for their family. So uh, what's the plan? What's, what are we doing here? So the, the plan that I came up with was a uh, – a, essentially a online version of a Chinese auction. Um, I you know spoke with Jake. Um, Jake and Kim are actually donating the uh, prize money for the uh, gi of the winner's choice. That was 
the planned big prize, but as I've continued to get donations, you know, from from people, it's it's just one of what is turning out to be many big prizes. From there, well, with the Chinese auction, we're gonna we're doing it online so we can open it up to everybody outside of the Wichita, Kansas area, um, and give everybody a chance to you know donate to a good cause, but uh, also get something back in return, which, you know, who, who doesn't like winning things? <laughs> so what we'll be doing is, is I've, I've set up a CrowdRise uh, site. Um, it's crowdfunding source, a website that allows donations to be made there. Um, we're asking for um, a $10 donation. Um, that $10 donation will automatically enter you into the prize for the uh, gi of your choice. Um, and then it will also get you a entry into a item of your choice. So um, we also, I also set like a, like kickers at $50 donations and a hundred dollar donations. So um, if you donate $50 at once, um, you'll get, I believe, two, two or three extra entries. So then you, you would essentially be at five entries plus the extras to pick out um, I, to do, to choose from what is available to be uh, raffled. So and then with the hundred dollar one, I believe we set it at five extra. So that'd be fifteen, um, and then. Once I get all of the items or the details as far as like sizing goes received, um, I'm going to, I'll take pictures or post pictures and put them on to the Facebook group page. And that'll essentially work as like the can or the basket that would be at the Chinese auction. Um, once I close the raffle, um, you know, I'll take the names of the people that cast their, their vote or entry into those items and, plug them into a, a random generator and we'll get the winner that way. It sounds good. So basically it's, uh, it's a raffle for a, uh, it's, it's a, it seems like a growing list of, of items. You could participate for as little as $10. If you wanted to do a 50, you actually get like $70 worth of, uh, like a ticket almost. And a hundred dollars is almost like $150 worth of, uh, entries. And uh, and all the money's going to go uh, help out uh, Alan Shabaro's father with the medical bills and that sort of thing, and uh, and and one of the the good people who is contributing to this is going to walk away with a pretty uh, amazing uh, set of prizes. The the list of the donators has just gotten huge, um, actually overwhelming. I, I really wasn't anticipating so many people to um, donate what they have donated to to this date. And I'm surprised that I'm even getting messages through through Facebook and my email about people that have things that they want to donate towards the raffle that I've never even met or knew of prior to them reaching out to me. So, you know, the list keeps growing um, you know, for example, like right now, 
Um, there's a total of three gis that are available to be won. Um, there's an artist that works with Elderheart in uh, Mission 22 that's donated uh, two of his prints, which, you know, the, they're amazing. Uh, I own one of his. They're, they're great. The uh, Elder Heart slash Mission 22 uh, Foundation has also donated uh, two tomahawks um, that are made through a art therapy program that works with veterans and LEO and uh, you know other other civil service uh, entities. Um, there are people at Valor Fitness. Uh, a, a, a gym in the Wichita area that also trains jujitsu and, and a lot more has donated a, a month of training for free. Uh, Fox fitness, um, is also doing the same thing. Roll junkie has donated a hundred dollar gift certificate to their website. Um, one of our training partners at Fox fitness, uh, has donated, uh, a hundred dollars worth of gift cards to uh, Payway, which is uh, an American-Asian restaurant in the area. I, I believe it's more outside of the area, too, but I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. The uh, owner that the owner of AGF, um, one of the up-and-coming bigger names in jiu-jitsu tournaments, um, donated four entries Um of the winner's choice for the turn his tournaments. Um, and then we've gotten clothing donations. I, I don't know what it is or the sizes yet, but, uh, lanky fight gear, uh, new defy defions, uh, has donated clothing, loyal brand jujitsu and day by day jujitsu have also donated items. I'm just waiting to see what they <laughs> they're sending. Wow. Uh, so there's this list. I always so where would somebody go to see this list? So right now, um, if you go onto Facebook, you can uh, go to the search option there, and if you type in uh, Midwest uh, charity fundraiser for or for Alan Shabaro, um, it should bring you to a, a group page. That's where I've put all of the posts about what's going on. I'm trying to keep everybody updated through there. Um, it's an open group, so you can join it. Um, once you've joined the group, then you're also free to add as many people as you want. So that's that's where that's at. That also contains a link to the CrowdRise site uh, where you can make your donations. Uh, and I, I believe it also contains a link for the uh, charity open mat that we'll be doing at uh, Fox Fitness on October 2nd. So I, I try to keep everything all contained in there. That sounds good. And if I will put a link to that in the show notes for everybody to find. But yeah, it should be easy. Just search on Facebook, Midwest Charity Fundraiser. Uh, Shabaro should pop right up or Alan Shabaro's father or something like that. And um, it seems like the, the list is growing, it, but it's a it's a already a big list of things. Uh, basically, anybody in the U.S. is eligible to play. So obviously, some of these prizes are kind of a local thing, but uh, the majority of them are are things that could be shipped to your house anywhere in the U.S. Is that correct? 
Absolutely. You know, a lot of a lot of the stuff will definitely be able to be shipped. Uh, it, you know, we're making it open for everybody, so we don't need to. You don't have to worry about not being present to pick it up. If if you win, um, I will make sure that whatever you win gets to you. Yep, and I uh, knowing Jeremy, he will. <laughs> he, he's a man of his word, and he, he will deliver. So uh, definitely a a great cause uh, happened. Uh, bad things happen all the time, and and this is a situation where uh, we're able to to step in and uh, try to help out with some of the costs of some bad things, and uh, in a way that's kind of exciting. And and, and one of us will win something. So uh, definitely check it out. Uh, you know, pitch in ten to however much you uh, feel like. Uh, donating or uh trying to to win this raffle um and uh it, it's all going to a great cause so jeremy i thank you very much for for being on here anything else you, that we forgot to mention uh no i i think we got it all i mean if if people have questions later on i mean they can always message me through through the page or through facebook um or if if they if they're local, they can just ask me in general. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks for being on here. Thanks for doing this. And, and you're always one to step up and, and help people out when they need a little bit of help. And I uh, appreciate that about you. And uh, we'll keep an eye on this and uh, be interested to see who, who wins. It would be nice if one of our listeners could win. So uh, that can't happen unless you get out there and, and, uh, and get, in, get in the drawings. So uh, thank you, Jeremy, for, for jumping on here with me. Yeah, thanks for having me, and thanks for giving us a platform to, to share the event with everybody else. Byron, we have a kind of a crazy quote this week, or an artistic quote, or a chaos quote, or whatever you want to call it. Our quote this week is from a guy by the name of Stephen Soundheim. I guess that's how you say his name. And Byron, could you uh, uh, educate me on who Stephen Soundheim is? He's a guy that talked about probably either art or chaos. I don't know. I could Google him while you read the quote if you want me to, Gary. No oh, problem. no, I just didn't know if he knew who he was. Oh, yeah, but I'll just make you wait a little bit as I Google this thing. Okay. Uh, so the quote from Stephen Sondheim, art in itself is an, is an attempt to bring order out of chaos. Once again, art in itself is an attempt to bring order out of chaos. And, you know, this is a perfect uh, quote, you know, for today's, you know, uh, episode where we talk about scrambling which is which is a bunch of chaos and um, basically you think about art you know which we call jujitsu but you know when you first start jujitsu it's really chaos think about it you learn your first day you show up and and you really have no clue what you're doing it could be your first time ever training in the kind of uh, combat art you have no clue these positions you have no clue where to go from these positions we as human beings it's not a being on our back or trying to get up from the ground. This is stuff that, you know, we grew up learning. It's not like we got in a fight every day and somebody threw us on the ground and we had to get up. Um, so, you know, all these movements are, are new or we don't have muscle memory of where to go. So, you know, you start out and it's you, you put a couple of new people together and, and it's just complete chaos. Uh, everybody going different directions nobody following the, following the set path. It's just a... It's kind of crazy. Um, but as you start training, you learn the different positions. You learn how to transition from one position to another. Um, you learn how to become more efficient, more effective while you're on the mat. And, uh, you know, pretty soon it's it's an art form. And, 
and that's what I like about jujitsu is we can all express ourselves in a different way. You know, some people may have more of a grinding style, uh, you know, grind it out, you know, rip the arm off, uh, you know, take the head off. Um, some people have, uh, you know, they, <laughs> it's true though. You know what I mean? Some people are just uh, more grinders and, um, you know, a little rougher, um, which there's nothing wrong with that. That's a great way. And some people flow a little bit more. They, they're a little lighter. They're, they're flowing from position to position. And, you know, it's, it's kind of neat how we can all show our, you know, we each have a, a unique art form in the way we, we do jiu-jitsu. Gary, the first, can you think of the first time, maybe the first week or month that you were doing jiu-jitsu, did it feel like a martial art or did it feel like chaos? It felt like chaos. And so as it, you learned it and understood it, even these basic positions, which were chaotic to you, became something that became artistic or even scientific, and you got to understand it better. And that's what jujitsu is bringing to the ground game, to, to how to choke somebody, how to control somebody on the ground. It's, it's taking a potentially chaotic situation and making it understandable, making it an art, making it a science. Make, it's, it's bringing reason and, and uh, a way to teach this to, to other people as well. So I like the quote is, and also, yeah, with, same thing with the scrambles. Scrambles may seem like total chaos to you. Well, you're probably losing that scramble if it does. <laughs> <laughs> but the chance that the other guy has a clue what he's doing, or maybe he's got your leg and he's done that a bunch of times, or you know what I mean? Like, there, there are types of scrambles, and if he's familiar with what type of scramble this is, maybe it's a common place to scramble from for him. Maybe he always goes to turtle, and he always is able to scramble, and sometimes he's able to get top from there. So I, I think this is kind of a fun quote, because... A lot of time the scrambles do seem chaotic, but still you're doing things that, you know, maybe you're sprawling to try to get uh, control of the situation. Uh, maybe you're forced to pull guard from the scramble and you'd rather have not done that. But we'll get into that later. I just think it's a cool quote and it's related to the the topic of the day. And, uh, hey, this uh, the guy who said it, Stephen Soundheim, was actually a uh, music, he's in musical theater he was born 1930, and he's 86 years old, still alive today. Uh, and uh, I don't know if he's still working or not, but uh, there we go. I did a little bit of research on the. You guy. know what I thought was going to be terrible if that guy was actually a black belt, somebody I had no clue who he was, and here I am, like, who is this guy, Byron? And if you would have came back and said that, I'd be like, oh man, foot in mouth syndrome. Well, that's when we edit the podcast and we make ourselves look a little bit smarter than we actually are. Yep. Speaking of foot and mouth syndrome. I think we should get on to uh, about scrambles because sometimes during a scramble, you may take a foot to the mouth. Well, actually, our article of the week is is uh, not that. That's the oh, topic sorry. of the week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. We actually need to go. See, I'm getting a little too far ahead of ourselves. I'm way ahead in the scramble. We need to yeah, do our that's good for you, article Gary. of the week. Our article yeah. of the week, um, again, um, we used to never use our own articles. We do have articles on our on our page. But uh, sometimes we want to talk about them. And this is on BJJBrick.com, something you need to know about the BJJ Gauntlet. And uh, I wrote this uh, on August 24th, and I just I did some research on the Gauntlet, on uh, different types of hazing. Is this hazing? And I was kind of surprised by what I found. We've had Tim Sled on the podcast, and he mentioned it and was talking about it with us. And, and, uh, and I just kind of wanted to, with my research about Jiu-Jitsu in this, like, there was nothing quite like this out there. I thought that it would be good to put out there just so people know about it. Um, if you're not familiar with the BJJ Gauntlet, 
there's there's multiple things that happen but the most i think the most typical one gary would you agree would be you take off your gi and you your teammates will line up with their belts and you'll either run or walk uh, past them and they'll whip you uh, maybe on the back maybe either one back or front as you walk by and uh that's you know running the gauntlet or walking the gauntlet or whatever is that kind of what you've uh, yeah, that's what I when I think of the BJJ gauntlet. That's kind of what I think of right there. Uh, when you uh, uh, progress belts, normally is about when that happens. Yep, I've seen it for other other reasons. It could be uh, birthdays. birthdays is a big one. Belt. It could it could be a few other reasons, but those are probably ninety five percent of the time. There's a gauntlet. Is congratulations for your belt, and now you get to do the gauntlet, which um, you you may or may not be comfortable doing, but it's. It's hard to turn that down if that's what if you're now a blue belt and you've got five other buddies who are now blue belts today and they're all going to do it and, and looking at the blue belts they did it too and uh, time to time to walk the gauntlet you know granted you're not going to probably you know you'll be okay <laughs> in the long run but it's kind of a, a thing that it, it's a little bit of a uh, sensitive topic I think because some people really like it some people are really yes, proud of some that people culture. are really passionate about it. And I can understand that because it would be a bonding experience. I did it. I want them to do it. Um, some people also uh, do this very hard. I mean, they really try to leave a mark on that person. And uh, and some people don't. But uh, that I don't know if that's walking the line, you're going to get both. And it doesn't really matter because um, not everybody's going to go soft. Hopefully not everybody's going to go super hard on you. But uh, actually doing some research, this is a form of hazing. And uh, hazing has actually some laws that go uh, with it. Uh, it seems like most of the hazing laws are in place due to colleges that, that have fraternities or sororities and in the past maybe have gotten, maybe in the future, I don't know, current, present, but have got a little bit too into their hazing process. I don't know if that's the right word. Hey, you know, hazing could be, you know, I'm not going to talk to him for the first two days, something like that. Or hazing could be make him drink until he passes out. We'll take him to the hospital. Yeah, that type or, of a thing. Or let him uh, have relationships with the sheep. You know, that too. <laughs> uh, not as familiar with that one, but, uh, you know, Gary, uh, we all go to different colleges, uh, Gary. <laughs> uh, but th- they're different forms. Um, this Technically, so the the hazing laws I think are in place mostly because of college programs, but they're also uh, regarding clubs and social gatherings. And yeah, this and would, you see them in uh, uh, sports too, uh, not just jujitsu, but you see them with football teams. Here in uh, Kansas, we had one with a uh, um, uh, local uh, swim team uh, had some had some issues. So you do see it with uh, you know a lot of sports clubs. Uh, you know, kind of the rite of passage, as they would say. Yeah. And uh, so some laws have been passed, and they're actually pretty harsh laws. You know, if a person is actually being physically harmed, which a belt that leaves a mark would uh, definitely be a a physical harm, um, it it could be considered a felony in a lot of states. And I I can't imagine that the the schools that are doing this realize that. Um, Here you have a, a school, you know, a program you're proud of, and you're posting things online, and here's a felony we all did together. And check it out on Facebook. That isn't. They they simply don't know that it's that bad. And not it's a it's a, hazing is illegal in 44 states in the United States. Um, I don't know. You know we're obviously listened to on a on a global basis here. Uh, check 
your country or, or, or where you're at and see if it if there's laws against it but um, really it's it's protecting the students um, and also there's many kids in these adults programs and kids and adults join these programs to really sometimes avoid being victims of bullies learn how to stand up for themselves uh, you could be you could have a bully at school and we all said you could have a bully at work your boss could be a bully you could be 40 years old and, and and you're in a relationship with your boss that's just like terrible and you really feel like that person was probably a bully in grade school been a bully their whole life and now they're in a position to bully you as an adult and and learning to stand up for yourself is something i think jujitsu helps with but if you're wanting to not do that gauntlet and you're kind of forced to you give in yet again i think that's not helping you uh with fighting learning how to fight a bully uh, mentally, and I think that you know, st- to see a kid go through the gauntlet is is a bit heartbreaking for me. And uh, you see that online sometimes, and it's it's you know kind of sad, you know, especially if they don't want to. Uh, some might be excited about it, but uh, another thing that was surprising to me the rule. So if hey Gary, I want to put you through the gauntlet, and Gary says okay, just because Gary agrees to do this as as really the victim of the gauntlet doesn't make it okay for me. It's still against the law. So Gary's consent to be in the gauntlet doesn't make what I'm doing uh, if I line up me and my buddies and we whip him. It's still a hazing, and it's still against the law, and in the law states it's still a felony. So uh, I was surprised by that rule, Gary. You know, I didn't realize, you know, till this article here about, a, you know, illegal in 44 states, and has there ever been, I mean, when you were doing research, did you find anything? Has there ever been any any uh, uh, court cases where, you know, due to somebody being whipped or, or you know, anything like that that has went to court, has went to adjudication? I'm sure I'm sure there has been. There's tons of stuff. I put links in the in the uh, bottom of the article, which we'll put a link to that in the show notes, which is just go to bgbrook.com. But uh, – uh, there's there's actually lots of websites that are about hazing and, and kind of explain the rules um, and, and try to make it uh, simplified. And uh, I, I didn't go reading through individual court cases. Uh, I'm not a lawyer. Tim Sled, yeah. you know, he's got the law experience. But uh, yep. it, it, was, it was a bit bit much. But uh, it, it, people think that this is a, like a deep part of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu tradition. And uh, from what I've gathered in the research – Chris Howder, which has been on the show, who was super nice and, and uh, you know, really interesting to talk to. It, it looks like uh, he might have been involved when this started back in the mid-90s. So how, however long ago that was, is that a rich tradition? Uh, maybe not. Uh, I would like to talk to Chris and see if he still does this. I don't know if he does or not, but there's an article that talks about it, and it's, it's really not that big of a tradition with us anyway. I think uh, it's kind of similar but even this is older picking a fight with another guy on the beach at brazil that's an old tradition in brazilian jiu-jitsu that we need to leave behind which we mostly have you know you, you don't see i hope you know, i haven't gone to the beaches of brazil yet someday hopefully but you don't see two guys out there grappling and trying to trying to fight on the beach uh you know a tradition maybe it was we leave it behind. Yes, let's leave that behind. Um, just for legal reasons, you probably something to leave the uh, the gauntlet behind as well. Yeah, and you know, I always wonder though if it will ever be left behind because there are some people who are really, really, really into uh, you know the gauntlet. Um, you know, says it. You know, this is supposed to be a tough sport. It's going to uh, 
um, build bonds with your teammates and everything. And, and I, I'm kind of with you. I don't necessarily agree with it. I, well, I, not necessarily. I don't agree with it at all. But I, I just wonder if it'll ever, you know, even with the hazing laws and, and you know, articles coming out about it, if, it, if it'll ever stop. It seems – I still seem like I see more places, you know, doing the gauntlet than not doing the gauntlet. But uh, it was kind of neat seeing some of the uh, – uh, emails we got uh, um, of people in some of the schools you can do the gauntlet or you can uh, you know not do the gauntlet you have your choice and you know some schools there's no choice and you know some people are adamant you know for hazing and and some people like yourself and myself um, you know aren't really uh, 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 we're anti-hazing uh, anti-belt whipping yeah it's if you're at a school where they do this, you really kind of owe it to your instructor to at least inform them. Even if you like this, even if you enjoy the gauntlet, you you've done it. It was a a, a positive experience for you. Uh, you're, it might be a felony in your state, and you might be bragging about doing a felony. Imagine if there was a BJ school that uh, had a video on Facebook breaking into another school and like trashing the mats and graffitiing all over the place, and they put that online. Like that would be idiotic. That would be a, a terrible way to run your school as a business. And here we are uh, doing a gauntlet, which is illegal in all but six states of the U.S., and we're posting it online for everybody to see. And nothing that the gauntlet does, I really, I think most people do do this as well, really enjoy seeing the student who comes in, they're kind of shy, they don't have that confidence built up yet, and over the course of six months to maybe two years, they become good at jujitsu, and they get that confidence. And they, and you see them rolling with people who are bigger and stronger than they are. And maybe their kid they're rolling with an adult and doing pretty darn good. Uh, that's so great to see, and that's so motivating uh, for us training on the mats. But I think a lot of times you see that person who doesn't have that confidence yet in themselves, and they see the gauntlet, they walk away. I don't want to do yeah. that. And that's really not a bad decision either. Stand up for themselves. They see something they don't like. I don't want to do that. I'm done. That's them. I admire that to stand up for themselves, but yeah. in reality, stick with jujitsu. Just don't just pass on the gauntlet, you know, if you can, or if your school has realized that it's probably not a good business practice. Then uh, I don't know, Gary. What do you think about yeah. that? Well, you know, I've done that myself. I, I've I've been at a school before where they were uh, whipping somebody for his birthday, uh, you know, running the gauntlet, and uh, I chose to sit out and you know i kind of got yelled at a little bit like hey get in line you know i need to do this and and you know it's just not me i said i'm, I'm not going to take part in it you know and sorry it's just uh it's just something i don't believe in and uh and you know it and i you know i'm a little bit older and and you know i'm confident in myself but i i could definitely see me at 21 years old or 18 years old, I probably wouldn't have had enough confidence to say no. I would have just followed the crowd and uh, did what they did. And then, uh, you know, so I was glad that I, you know, voiced my opinion and, you know, sat out on it. It's just something I didn't feel comfortable doing. Yeah. If, you, if you're not comfortable with it um, and you need a little bit of help, email us. Uh, also, uh, check out the stuff by Tim Sled that's on the links there. He talks about it as well. He's willing to help you out. Um, it's not a reason to quit jiu-jitsu. Uh, you can get through. Uh, there's no reason to do a gauntlet to prove that you're good at jujitsu. At no part, if like in between rounds, we took our belt and whipped each other, and then we rolled some more, and and this took a toll and affected the way you roll. This would be somewhat relevant to jujitsu, but there's no part in jujitsu you get whipped with a belt. That's not what we're doing. You know, at my academy, when you get promoted, you get uh, you get thrown like a judo style throw, or maybe even just a takedown by the belt above you. This is more relevant to what we're doing. It, it doesn't leave a, a mark. 
it uh, it it's like doing uh, a tiny bit of judo with half dozen to twenty other students uh, as they throw you and you get back up. You know, remember this the fall down six, get up eight or seven. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> get up eight. <laughs> but uh, fall down seven, get back eight. That's like the day at my uh, the academy I'm at now at Fox Fitness. We're gonna make you're gonna fall down, you're gonna get back up, you're gonna fall down, you're gonna, and that's what you've been doing to get to where you're at. That is not, uh, from what I can gather, a form of hazing at all. Also, if you want to, to roll, you know, if, if, if you go through some, uh, like a shark thing, they call it, you end up rolling for a long time with a lot of different people. That is, that's jujitsu. And, and unless you're able to not quit if you're, you know, you're, hey, I, hey, I'm done. No, push yourself. Okay, I pushed myself already. Really, I'm done. I don't, you know, like you. You should. I mean, it's like anything. You have control of what you're doing. If you can't say I'm done, I stop. I, you know, th- then it goes a little too far. But really, if anybody is saying I'm done, I'm having chest pains. You know, this is too much. My arm hurts. Whatever. If you say stop, they should stop. And but I wonder if people would say stop though too. It's tough. But you know, it's kind of yeah. It's kind of in that same same position. If you would if you would say it, you know, for. If that's part of your, you're getting the next belt. Yeah, but but it's at least jujitsu relative. We're doing they're literally doing jujitsu at the time. They're getting pushed, which is uh, a little bit of character development, unlike just walking the line and getting whipped, which doesn't have anything to do with jujitsu and is briefly painful, but it just moves on. Um, <laughs> so um, you know, if if you're at a school that does the whipping, we don't hate you. Um, that's you know, that's what you've been doing. It's what your instructor. If you are the instructor, it's what you've learned and what you. I mean, it's people like what they're used to liking. You know, it's hard to change, but uh, you might at least read the article. Um, hate to hate to see anybody get in trouble over this. I mean, I think in the long run, this is probably going to just fade away. You don't hear about uh, people going out grappling at the beach, uh, picking fights with rival schools. I think this would probably go that way. Uh, in the future, so uh. <laughs> well, you know, I'd like to uh, like pick Tim Sled's uh, brain one more time too, because you know, I was just reading. If you look into uh, at the end of this article, the uh, Tim puts in uh, Indiana Penal Code there, thirty-five dash forty-two dash two dash two dash five, and he's talking about uh, hazing means forcing or requiring another person, with or without a consent as a condition of association with a group or organization to perform an act that creates substantial risk or bodily injury. And then he talks about bodily injury. That could be permanent disfigurement, unconsciousness, extreme pain, permanent or protracted loss or impairment of the function for bodily organs or loss of fetus. Like, see, then I start thinking about, like, let's say even throwing somebody. Um, what if somebody gets thrown and lands on their shoulder and destroys their AC joint? You know, then I'm like, is that considered hazing then too? I'm just kind of curious about that. I think uh, that would be considered just an accident. If 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 like Gary, I'm gonna throw you. I'm gonna I'm gonna bust up your shoulder, and and that is, that's what I'm trying to do. Uh, that's we got a problem with that. But if it's if it's an accident, I think that's just unfortunate. That's that's part of the. Uh, I hate to, I mean, that's still just, the risk we take. You know, it's it's kind of a condition with. Uh, you almost require another person. Hazing means forcing or requiring another person. Like you're kind of required to do that. Yeah. With or without your consent as a condition of association with a group. I mean, I'm just curious. I wonder, yeah. uh, you know, what what would happen in that situation. Uh, it, it may, it's just, maybe, uh, maybe it is. I don't know. But yeah. It, yeah, I don't know either. It's, uh, I think – 
like if you look at something and and and, and if you look at that it looks like hazing if you like whipping people with a belt it looks like hazing if you made him drink a whole bunch of alcohol that looks like hazing if you made him stay in the corner that looks like hazing (laughs) i don't know what that looks like harry i've never (laughs) seen that myself Uh, but we'll we'll put a link to that in our show notes Uh, but uh, yeah, I didn't. Th- there's some nice comments there below that that carry on the conversation, and Tim Sled is one of those, and he definitely made. Uh, I didn't notice that, Gary. So that's good to see. I'll have to check that yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. But I was just kind of reading through that, and you know, it's cool to get some different uh, different opinions. You know, double A, double A. You know, is for it. Uh, David Gieselman is for it. You know, and hey, it's great. I, I appreciate them sharing their opinions. We're all going to have our own opinions, and uh, and um, you know, it's. Uh, that's what's that's what's cool. We can you know talk about it civilly. Yeah, yeah, but also, I mean, uh, I'm trying to warn people here. If you're for it, but if 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 somebody's if somebody's a little hesitant going into it, they get whipped, and they're showing oh, the judge their back. Uh, the judge may not be for it. You know, yeah. like the, the, it, there's some gray area here. We've I, I've never heard of a school getting in trouble for this, but I could definitely see it happening, and I yeah. wouldn't want it to be yours. But I wonder too, though. Does a school that do people leave that school before their belt because they don't want to? Uh, I wonder if that's ever happened. People leave a, a school before getting a belt because they didn't want to get whipped and go to another school. Uh, you know, I just wonder if that's ever happened there. I'm too. sure. I'm sure some have, and maybe some uh, look at two different schools and like these guys are a bunch of wimps. They don't whip each other. I'll go. To, I mean, it's probably a factor of some people, but yeah, it, it, I don't know. It's 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 one thing that might effect whether somebody goes to that school or to another school. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But man, it's a great article. It just makes you think. And, uh, and, um, but then it also brings awareness because I, I just always thought about, uh, belt whipping as, um, um, how do I say it? That something I don't want to do. I never once thought it was hazing. And, um, you know, now reading some of these, uh, penal codes, I can see that it is. And, and there could be ramifications. All right. Well, uh, Thanks for the compliment on the article, Gary. I wrote that, and I uh, actually had my wife edit it, so it's not so many uh, bad spellings and stuff. That's why there's no mistakes. <laughs> and, and some yeah. of Gary's buddies that took a look at it as well. So, uh, yeah. and, well, see, my buddies are the smartest guys in the world, so uh, they probably would have had some issues. Yeah, ah, they're, those, are, those are smarter than me, Gary. That's all that I could ask for. Yeah. But uh, we got, we have a nice topic to move on to, my friend. And it's not about eggs, as we've already told you. <laughs> so I think we should start this off by defining scrambling. Because as I was doing research on this, there's articles written on it. And, and some of them talk about like a scramble as, um, you know, may, uh, Gary's in my guard. We'll just set this situation up. I go armbar. He pulls out. I go maplata. Uh, he rolls. I get on top and transition, you know, very quickly to another armbar. He busts out. Uh, and, and immediately passes my guard. To me, that is not a scramble at all. That's a series of techniques happening like in a chain. Um, a scramble is going to have uh, a little bit more chaos. It's going to have um, a little bit more of a, uh, it's more of a neutral thing where people are, are fighting for uh, typically a position to, to of dominance. How would you define scrambling, Gary? Well, you know, the crazy thing is talking about scrambling, and I'm kind of with you. It's it's a time of chaos almost. I mean, it looks like chaos, but the you know the participants in it are not. Um, you know, there's wild, frantic movement. And nobody has great control, and uh, um, and 
both are trying to get control. And you know what I thought was crazy is a week or two ago we had an article about the the axe um, sharpening the axe. This week we're talking about you know belt whipping and uh, you know we brought up Tim Sled. Tim Sled also talked about the axe beforehand. And you know I was doing a little uh, stuff on the scrambling, uh, you know a little research on scrambling. And you know th- there's not a lot out there, but what I saw was really great was an article by Tim Sled um, at uh, Small Axe uh, Jiu Jitsu. Definitely check out this website. But Mental Revelations of Progressing of the progressing grappler. And, you know, he talks about the scramble and he has a quote in there. He who controls the scramble has the edge, but he's got a really great article that, you know, I was kind of reading over just to, uh, um, get some help in this scrambling area. I'm trying to figure out a good way to explain that it may not be chaotic for everybody in the scramble. And I think a, a, a good way would be, uh, to take a, a very good wrestler that knows jujitsu, this placement purple belt, and a purple belt that doesn't have much wrestling background. And as, let's say, the, the wrestler purple belt is on his back, <laughs> uh, less likely, but let's say it's happening, um, and he scrambles up and, and is just trying to get back to his feet and, and, and really, um, maybe try to get around the person or, or, you know, push them to their back or whatever. As this scramble starts to happen, it may be very chaotic for the guy who's used to passing the guard and not used to people getting up. But as it's more of a wrestling uh, style scramble, the the guy who has the wrestling experience is very familiar with what's going on. He he knows he's not randomly pushing and pulling and and tugging on on things. He's he's trying to control a certain aspect of it. He he might be trying to get out from underneath him. He might be doing a sprawl. I mean, it, it's not total chaos. I mean, it's just like when you started jitsu and it was total chaos for the first little while. Uh, people know what's going on, but it's less predictable. Maybe I mean, there's a lot, there's yeah. a lot of openness. There's a lot less control of your opponent, and so that brings that big open uh, door of of possibilities to what could happen. Yeah, but like when you first start, you you might be a little more clueless during the scramble. But like I can always tell when my game is progressing, not getting a scramble situation, and you may not exactly know where the other person's going, you know, he could, could come from a little different background, like, like you said, wrestling versus jujitsu, but you know, it's that body awareness The you know, you're feeling every little movement. Um, if pressure goes from one area to another, you're feeling it and you know how to react to it. Um, so it, it's, I don't know, I guess it's just as time went on, I, I got better at reacting, knowing, you know, just based off of pressure or based off of angles where that person was going and I'd react based off of that. If that makes sense. Yeah, that does. As, as you're more familiar with the situation. Um, so I think really you'll be put in the similar scrambles that you create time and time again, because you're creating them from certain spots. So those will get more and more familiar for you. Um, and, and as maybe you're in a good spot of good control and you don't want the scramble, uh, you get put in scrambles you're not familiar with and they may be a little more chaotic. But over the course of time, they should kind of blend together and you should be more familiar with what you're trying to accomplish while this is happening. Gary, Definitely. Who, um, who is the scramble good for? You know, I, shoot, it can be good for anybody. I mean, in all reality, um, you know, some people, like you said, try to create scrambles. Um but I, I don't know. I, I, I think it could be good for anybody. I th- okay. Um, it, it could be if, if you have me in side control and you, it's, you're, you're, oh, sta- okay. you're sticking tight. Yeah. 
Okay. For yeah, if if I'm on bottom side control and, and you're smashing me, you know, if I can create a scramble, on, I'm and I'm on the bottom, it's definitely going to be good for me. Yeah, and if and if I could yeah. not have a scramble at that point in time, I would much yeah, prefer. You do that. not want a scramble. <laughs> okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's good for the person in uh, in the worst position. Yeah, in a in a negative position, being dominated. So Gary and I, we have a little bit of like some rough notes here, but we uh, really don't have uh, anything too. Har- concrete down here. It's kind of like a scramble of, of stuff we have here together. But um, trying to think of the common positions to scramble from. Uh, I'm always reminded of uh, trying when you escape, the someone's getting you off their back or you're escaping uh, back control. Uh, a lot of times there is a bit of a scramble to get top. You know, if, if, you, if, Jerry's on my, if Gary is on my back and, I, and I'm working out, working and actually get out, um, a lot of times Gary is quick enough and, and in the right place and expecting it, he gets on top of me, which is not good, but at least he doesn't have mount anymore. But sometimes if I could beat him to the punch, I'll end up getting in his guard, which is much better than having Gary on the back, my back, or, you know, on, on top past. So, uh, there's, that's one common, I think, situation to, to be scrambling from is to escape back control. Yeah. Also, too, I, I think a lot of times, you know, just escaping, you know, submissions. You know, let's say you got top mount and then, uh, you're going for an arm bar. And, you know, as you go back for the arm bar, I, I react really quick. Let's say I go for a hitchhiker escape. You know, as I'm coming around, you may end up, uh, you know, moving your hips out, going for a pneumoplata. You know, at that point, then I have to, uh, you know, readjust from there. And it's, it's, we're just going on and on and on. Uh, I'm trying to escape. You're throwing uh, another submission on until, you know, one of us gets an advantage and, you know, stops that scramble with a advent, advantageous position. And yeah. that's where I see a lot of them off of, a, off of an attempted submission. I like all those techniques put together. And that, to me, that's as an attacker, we're not scrambling at all. We're we're going through my series of techniques until I get one actually land. But as a defender, it just seems like I just keep hitting. If you don't know the next move and you're just getting out of another one, another one, it definitely feels like a scramble. You know, it's like how do we get out of this thing? Yeah, it's a scramble for that guy. He knows it's coming. He's defending, but the other guy is one step ahead and has another submission. You know, I'm starting in a in a negative position and I'm getting a so-called train run on me with submission after submission. I have to keep getting out of those submissions and hopefully I can free my limb and then control the position and hopefully uh, control the scramble. But, hey, you know, by getting an angle. You know, you know who has the best scrambles, Gary? The the uh, the guys in the old Western movies, you know, they look at two cowboys and they will just they'll end up on the ground on top of each other, laying flat, and they'll just roll and roll and like not roll like rolling, but they just go switch position, switch 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 as they roll down the side of the mountain, and it's no uh, no order to that at all, no position, no no base. That is chaos, and and that's not realistic fighting, obviously, but that's like. That's a heck well, of a scramble. <laughs> I think that is realistic fighting for people who don't train fighting. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you think about when you first started, how bad bad your mount was, and uh, you get two people; they're going to both have bad mount. Somebody gets mount, goes to throw a punch, and you know, next thing you know, they get rolled, and it just keeps rolling and rolling and rolling. Yeah. So uh, if uh, we're looking at still um, who it's good for, if you're tired and you're not in a bad spot. I would, I would make the effort to avoid the scramble. So, uh, looking back at the, like, I'm escaping back, or, or the, the guy's escaping, uh, I have Gary on, I've, I've got Gary's back. And as he's escaping, if I can control, um, 
there's a certain leg, one of his legs, the correct one, <laughs> as he's escaping, it makes it hard for him to actually turn and get his base. So that would help me avoid the scramble, which in this situation, it's always better to avoid that scramble. But uh, if you're tired, scrambling takes a lot of work. I mean, it's, it's yeah, more like is, two bulls butting heads than it is like a yeah. finesse thing. I tell you, you get done with a five-second scramble, and and you almost need a break. It's it's very very exhausting. So, um, if you're not in great shape, and like you said, you're tired, you probably want to uh, try to avoid that scramble. And, and a lot of times, the tired person or the uh, less confident person will settle for the neutral position, which isn't necessarily the totally wrong thing to do. If you're scrambling with somebody, and they always end up, you know, winning the scramble, and they always end up getting like side control out of it or a guillotine attempt or Gary, you know, I scramble with Gary, he's going to probably get me in a Kimura and I'll be uh, working out of that. If I could end up in a neutral position, I'll take it with Gary. Uh, if I could scramble and get my guard back, win, you know, I'm happy with that. It, I would much rather scramble and get mount, but it's unlikely to happen. I know Gary. I know he's going to find my arm or my or my neck in a guillotine if I scramble uh, much more than I've, you know, it's like, it's like how far I want to push my luck in this, uh, in the scramble. And you, I mean, that's part of training with somebody versus competing with somebody. Because when you compete, you don't know them as well. And and I wouldn't know. Hey, I need to back off from the scramble because Gary's gonna gonna as I push this, he's probably gonna find uh, my head sticking out there like a turtle and uh, take it off. <laughs> yep, that so. old Byron turtle head. Um, <laughs> but you know, that's the thing too. I think sometimes I, I'm in the same boat. I I'm happy to get out of a scramble in a neutral position and you know and, and i i was talking about earlier how i was reading uh, tim sled's article and what i like about tim is you know let me just quote this uh, you know it's two sentences here uh, scrambles can appear chaotic and without form but the truth of the matter is one can control a scramble when his or her mind is focused on the right principles controlling the scramble will lead to advantages within the match both psychological and, and physiological and i just like that that you know, Tim's really not just talking about, you know, he's talking about trying to become a better grappler. We're going to end up in in scramble positions and why settle for neutral? Let's, uh, let's you know, let's get to an advantageous position out of the scramble. And I had never really focused on that before. Like, hey, let's focus on winning scrambles. And, and I mean, to be honest, I would be focused on coming out of neutral and scrambles and and you know my mindset i don't think is totally right i i probably should focus on trying to win a scramble you know just with a you know the right principles yeah and it does have a mental effect i i could line up 20 of my training partners and it probably pick out pretty accurate the odds that i would win a scramble or lose a scramble if we were both scrambling pretty hard and both pretty fresh and i know there are some situations when i back down and I maybe could have won, but I, uh, yeah, I'm probably going to lose this scramble. It's better to back down and get my guard back. And that's probably why, for me and a lot of jiu-jitsu players, our scrambling isn't as good as it could be because we don't put – if you want to get better at scrambling, you got to push it. you got to be willing to, to risk getting guillotine a few yeah. more times a week. you got to risk getting you know maybe armbarred or, or actually thrown or whatever. Uh, you, you don't If you want to get better at scrambling, you're creating the scramble, and you're not going to settle for neutral. You've got to push. Yeah, you got to push it, and sometimes you are going to end up, like you said, your your neck's going to get head out there. But you know, the more and more you do it, and you're really pushing, and you're pushing, time and time again, you are going to start, you know, coming out on top. Absolutely, that's. I think that's one. I mean, doing them, and then because uh, there is a mental effect, and, and let's say this happens. 
Um, Gary has me in side control. I am fortunate enough to create a bit of a scramble, which for me is great because I'm in a bad spot and I'm fighting to get to get out of this bad spot. And, uh, you know, five, ten seconds ticks by, but maybe not even not that long. I don't know. And Gary ends up side control again. Like, that was a big scramble. It is mental. Yeah, and, that yeah, sucked. That's, <laughs> you know, and, you know, the crazy thing is, like you said, you know, five or ten seconds pass. Think about how tiring the scrambles are. And a lot of times it's really only like three or four seconds. And you're like, man, I just, you know, wasted a quarter of my gas tank and for three seconds. And uh, it's crazy how exhausting that can be in that short of a time. And you were you could have been almost there. I mean, it's so hard to. That's you, the worst. When yeah, you're almost there, and then you do get you do get pushed back into that you know disadvantaged position. Exactly, and then so if it happens again, like suddenly I'm scrambling against Gary and my own head because I've already told myself uh, he's beat me twice. Uh, it's time to settle for the if I can get my guard back, I'll do that. I don't care to try to get a dominant yeah. position, and that it may not be the wrong thing to do. That might be the right thing to do, but. Like we're saying, if you want to get better at scrambling, you got to push. You got you got you got to be willing to take those growing pains. You got to be willing. Hey, I'm, I know Gary's probably going to win the scramble. I'm going to create it again. And okay, I got guillotine. Um, that's okay. Now I know not to maybe scramble like that. Maybe I need to keep my shoulders shrugged a little bit more to hide my neck as I'm trying to come up. And maybe I need to fight hands. Maybe get better guillotine escapes. I don't know. Uh, another thing I think for scrambling, you see a lot of uh, times. And jujitsu, the person on top will get kind of lazy and they'll end up with their feet flat, as in the top of their foot is flat on the mat. Uh, I do this. I, I mean, it, it's, it's far more relaxing to have that than to have your toes on the mat as like a runner getting ready to take off. But just think if, if, if here's, here's the example I use, and I think I can explain it through audio. <laughs> if, if you're on your knees and, you're, and your feet are flat, okay, and then, and I just push you. You probably fall over to one side or the other, whatever. But if you are on your toes and your the, the soles of your feet are pointing um, out from you know behind you, like you're getting ready to run, and I push you, you stand right up. It's not a hard thing to do. You you, you pop right up to your feet. People who are good at scrambles, watch how they're on their toes. And so if Gary's in my guard, he's on his toes. I put my foot in his chest. I push him away from me. He doesn't fall over. He stands right up. It's, it, there's, I mean, maybe I get up for a scramble, but he doesn't get knocked down to create that scramble of both of us on our butts trying to get up at the same time. That's a big scramble. And, and so he gets a huge advantage by starting the scramble, not on his butt, but on his feet as I'm trying to get up and I'm already down. So uh, I think being on your toes, uh, especially when trying to pass, is a, is a great way to either avoid scrambling or just once it happens to be a step ahead. Because Gary's mentioned that you want to be a step ahead in the scramble. Uh, not trying to catch up to somebody. Yeah, and I noticed that's one thing as I've got older. I don't, I'm not as fast as I used to be. Like, even if I am my toes, I'm going to be slower than uh, the younger guy I'm training with um, that has more speed, is, is probably more cardio than me, which my cardio is not the greatest. And so, what I found out that, you know, I have to use my brain a little bit more, I have to try to become more efficient with my moves. I, you know, I have to like drill a little bit more. I have to, you know, be aware of all these positions and, and instead of trying to take big movements that take up more space, I'm trying to, you know, turn and move tightly and with as, you know, efficiently as possible where I, you know, in, in a small area. It's a, and I've noticed like as I've got slower, my tech, technique has got better, which 
has helped me. I still have trouble winning scrambles, um, you know, just because of my speed. But now, with with a little bit of technique, I, I'm staying neutral on scrambles. I think. Gary and I both uh, have we like the guillotine, and I think that a lot of times when I'm scrambling with somebody and I wrap up their head, okay, it's usually a legitimate threat, but I'm not always going for the guillotine. But a lot of times they shut down. It's like I can't drive anymore. I got an arm on my on my neck. I got to defend the guillotine, and the scramble's over because yeah. they're now defending the guillotine, and I'm now either trying to finish the guillotine or trying to finish up and pass their guard or whatever I'm doing next. But um, there there are some techniques that kind of stop the scramble without necessarily ending the position fight. Can you think of any other examples, yeah. Gary? Well, you know, just going back to that first, I like you said, uh, if you can somehow grab some kind of offense out of that scramble. Um, no matter where you're at, you you start grabbing offense and and you automatically, if I just keep pushing forward, like you said, my neck's going to probably get, you know, choked. I'm going to get choked. So I'm going to have to, you know, go back into defense mode. I'm going to have to stop the scramble. And, you know, so that's just making me start thinking about like, hey, maybe one of these things I need to do is really focus on trying to, uh, you know, grab some type of offense out of that to, you know, kind of stop that, stop the, the scramble and uh, hopefully win based off of that. So on the, uh, so <laughs> there, we get, we get addressed like a million techniques on this, but to stick with the guillotine, I think that's an easy one to understand. If, if Gary's guillotining me, I need to have, if I'm, trying to pass his guard there's a wrong direction to pass and a right direction to pass i mean so if, if my arm is under if my head is under gary's left arm i need to be on the uh, uh gary's right side of his body with my body so my head um has somewhere to go so for me if you want to get better at scrambling and somebody wraps up your head in a guillotine you need to to keep pushing and it might not work for every time and, and get over to the correct side of the of yeah of his body. And that's the difference between scrambling well and like trying to avoid the choke and like shutting down and not, and if the scramble's over, I'm getting out of this choke versus I'm not done fighting for this position. I'm going to take uh, what may be a risk. Maybe it's not, maybe your, your odds are better to fight through this and, and to try to get on top. Um, I don't know, statistically with, with any one person, it's probably different for everybody, but um, that the person who's willing to drive through it and, and, and to try to pass the guard right there and say, Hey, you got my neck. I got to pass right now. They're going to long run, have a better scramble. Yeah. Well, you know, that goes back. Uh, like I said, uh, Tim sled talks about left brain, right. Confusion. That's one of his principles to become a better uh, scrambler. And basically he's just talking about, you know, side to side, um, you know, getting better to, you know, switch directions, kind of like what you're talking about there. And, and, you know, he talks about different drills, you know, the neon belly, you know, where you switch, you know, knee from side to side and, you know, knee cut transitions, um, you know, switching side to side. And that's kind of goes by that. It's like, you have to get good on, you know, well, one guy jukes you, you're, you, if you get juked to one side, you need to jump to the other side. So, um, you know, so like you're saying there, it's, you're just going to drill it. You're going to, you know, as your head's getting taken and the guy starts falling back to uh, get you in a uh, guillotine from the guard, you then need to, uh, you know, pass by, you know, jumping to the other side and establishing a, a tight side control. So, uh, you know, that'd probably be a good drill to, uh, to do to uh, uh, get you better at that. Yeah, and that's just one example of the, the guillotine. Um, there, there are, I think, 
Um, a lot of times leg lockers will have a, a pretty good advantage in a scramble, be able to find it. Oh, you see some, yeah, you see some huge scrambles and with leg lockers. And it, it, and it would it may seem chaotic to you, but it may seem like home to them. You know, they might yeah. have these things set up to where, uh, you know, I'm trying and fighting hard to get out of this thing and rolling and, and kicking. And, and for him, he's like, okay, that didn't work. I'm going to the next one. This one's going to work. That yeah. one didn't work. It's like going through the chain of events for him. And so what yeah. seems like a scramble, what is a scramble for me is just a series of events for him. And he knows where it's going to go. He's always going to be a step ahead. If you know where yeah. you're going next, if you could predict my escape and be there when I'm trying to do it, that's a huge advantage. And it really turns it from a scramble to a series of events. Yeah. But, you know, let's say you've got two very skilled people and you're the one who started with the submission and you're just going down the submission and we're talking about I'm on defense and I'm defending them. But I kind of, even though you're a step ahead, I have to take my time and really not jump anything because I have to defend that submission first. But normally if you're skilled and you've been put in these positions, you really are going to know where that guy's going. So, you know, pretty soon you're like, okay, I know what he's going to probably chain next and chain next. And hopefully sooner or later you get to a position, you know, cause when I'm in the bottom, it, like you said, in the top, it may be a series of events, but in the bottom, I feel like I'm in a crazy scramble and then I'm going to try to, sooner or later just jump out of the, the submissions and hopefully I can, uh, you know, get to a better position and at least create neutral, you know, just by knowing where you're going to go and then hopefully take advantage of some little, you know, mistake or, or you know, not being as tight through these, uh, through all my defenses. Yeah. I, I think I have one common scramble that is almost always disappointing and sometimes I fall for it is when the person on the bottom in, in guard uh, just push it, like just gets up and, and kind of runs at you. Um, and it's like, oh man, I just gave up an easy sweep. I, I wasn't doing, wasn't paying attention. I wasn't, you know, it wasn't on my toes. They, they literally just either put their foot in their chest and just pushed you back or they, or they got up quickly and suddenly you're on your, it wasn't like a real technical sweep, but they, they got me back. It was like, that could have been a scramble if I was better. But I didn't, something about it, I don't know when that happens to me, but sometimes it's like, darn it, you know, like, uh, I should have scrambled there. <laughs> Another common scramble is the escaping the sweep. You know, let's say uh, I'm trying to sweep Gary with a, with a sweep as he's standing up and he's kicking out of the sweep. He kicks and frees a leg. Uh, I'm no longer, you know, in his direct path. You know, underneath him in my with my guard, I'm next to him, kind of at a side angle. He's kicked out. He's out of place too. Do I get up and try to fight for top position? Do I get up with the leg and try to wrestle a little bit, or or do I just go lay there on my back and wait for him to come back to me? I, I mean, those are I could create a scramble from there pretty easily, Gary. Yeah, you know, you know, let's take that scenario right there. And next thing you know, you you start uh, diving for my leg, you know, grabbing a single leg, trying to, you know, break down my structure on my leg. I'm I'm trying to cross face, you know, hip in and and free my leg and and control your back. And you know, maybe at that point, you know, you throw in a Gramby roll. And uh, next thing you know, it like you said, it kind of looks chaotic to the to the person watching a little untrained, but we're both rolling and defending and, and trying to come out on top of, you know, a, a fast moving process. Yeah. I think in a lot of these chaotic scrambles, 
a lot of times it's not that chaotic to people who are doing it, or at least one of the people who are, unless they're untrained and, and, and a little unskilled. And then it might actually be just total chaos. But at the yeah. high level, you see some crazy scrambles in the UFC or at the Worlds. Yeah. People are doing things. The, the reason why it's continuing to scramble is because they're both countering. Once one yeah. defeats the other one at the scramble, it's over. I mean, they've they've got the position secured or the submission. Uh, it, it, they're working on that already. But as as long as the scramble continues, uh, they both really know what's going on uh, or or in the fight anyway. Um, so I think that's we need to keep that in mind. That it's not just like jujitsu. It's not total chaos. I mean, there, there's somebody who, uh, hopefully, it's you is aware of the position that you're working for and has an overall goal and a way to get to that goal. Gary, do you have any uh, general tips to maybe win a scramble? Well, you know, um, I, I think one is, you know, just trying to get an angle. Um, you know, if we're fighting head to head, it's it's going to be, you know, probably the stronger person is going to win. And, and I'm just trying, you know, like I said earlier, to keep my movement as efficient as possible since I'm not very fast. But I'm just trying to come out, you know, at an angle on you. And uh, normally if I can get an angle, you know, I'm probably going to be in a better position and hopefully be able to lock you down, you know. And uh, so that's that's one of, you know, my big tip right there is just try to uh, try to win the position, try to try to, you know, instead of fighting head on, try to get a little bit of an angle. Yeah, that's good. Um, I, for me, you got to practice them and you got to. You got to find what's common in them for you and get in places that you're familiar with. If, if you only take down the single leg and you're scrambling and you may manage to come up with a leg, perfect, you know, but if you can't seem to grab that leg, you need to work on maybe a different takedown to, to make the scramble more efficient. Maybe you're really good about uh, arm dragging. And, and so you could scramble the position where you could get a hold of their arm and, and get the arm drag. Um, you're going to win more scrambles and, and you're going to be in a place where you're more familiar which will make yeah. a, a big advantage to you, you. You think about that arm drag, just like we we're talking about. You know, normally we're we're starting off facing each other. If I can just drag you a little bit, I've now opened up a part of your body. It's, uh, yeah. you know, that's what's so cool about jujitsu. It's, uh, you know, if we fight head on, I'm going to lose to the stronger person. But the cool thing about jujitsu is like we're, we're looking at different angles. We're trying to, uh, you know, make ourselves stronger and you weaker you know, our opponent weaker by putting ourselves in advantageous positions or, or breaking down their, their musculoskeletal system. It's like, like, you know, one thing you, you always taught me, and this goes back to uh, when we used to drill Ryan Hall stuff all the time. This was years ago. And, uh, you know, Ryan would talk about, you know, as he had that guillotine on or not the guillotine triangle. This was back. I remember me and you used to drill this triangle, uh, uh, DVD, that's how old we are, DVDs we were using. But he would always talk about just twisting the head. And basically just by doing that, it, it makes you weak. Um, you're not as strong. And, and I find that now too all the time. When Whenever I'm getting mount, I'm always pushing the guy's head to one side, trying to keep his, you know, spine out of regular alignment. Um, I'm trying to, you know, a trick I learned from uh, Rafael Lovato is, you know, as I mount, I'm trying to, move that arm up over the head and grab it around the side of the head. Once the arm gets above, you know, 45 degree angle, that person becomes weak. And, and, you know, it's just like the arm drag. We, we arm drag, we open up a whole side of that body. You know, it's just like, a, 
it's just like a nice big target for me, you know, and then I, I need to stay tight. Um, so you can't get their arm back, which you're going to try to do. And, and, you know, I just put myself in a better position, but in that same situation, I got to be prepared because I can get rearm drag from that position. So, uh, um, depending on what your opponent knows, you have to be prepared for everything. You have to drill these things. So it just becomes normal in your mind. Um, normally in your, your, your mind is just going to react because you've done this so many times. Good advice there, Gary. I'm trying to think of uh, other tips to, to win a scramble. I would say, um, look at what submissions are, are good at ending scrambles. And, and for, I think me, I know Gary's, uh, we mentioned it before, a guillotine. And Gary's got a uh, Kimura that he's able to a lot of times lock up during the scramble. But for me, uh, guillotine has won more scrambles for me, uh, probably than any other technique. Um, and people tend to just defend that. And so if you, uh, maybe work on your guillotine attack. You could do that from the guard. You know, if you have a good guillotine from the guard, you'll have a good guillotine while you're scrambling. Yeah. Wrap up their yep. head, the same pressure, the same reaction. A lot of times, they'll stop pushing forward, and they'll they'll back off the scramble, and uh, and you'll be able to to win the positional fight, and uh, either keep the guillotine or move on from there. But uh, look for uh, you know, find that beach day brick. Find that one or two techniques that you could do during a scramble that would. Uh, give you the advantage. It might be a single leg. It might be a double leg. It might be a guillotine. Uh, uh, go down for a footlock attack. It, um, it could be a, it could be any number of things. Or try to get the technique that you really like to be applicable during a scramble. It might. Some of these will be harder to do. You know, if your best thing is is uh, a cross collar choke from mount, that's going to be hard to implement during a during a scramble. <laughs> but uh, well, you're going to have to get an advantageous <laughs> position and, and uh, you know put him on his back and then yeah. he can go there. Yeah. But it is, speaking briefly about uh, finishing chokes with a scramble, uh, look at the advanced divisions. Oh, people getting tapped by by a rear naked choke. It, I, it, surely they don't know how to defend that. But what's happening as the person's taking their back, as the scramble's happening in in during the transition, they're under the neck. Yeah. So like me, I get the back. Oh yeah, I got the back. Now I'm gonna try to choke. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna step behind yep. the game. I should be trying to sink in yep. underneath the chin as I'm securing the back. That's the difference between uh, great grapplers and average ones like myself, Gary. <laughs> you know, I see a lot of uh, uh, darses happen during scrambles. Uh, you know, somebody's on their back. You know, they may be a, a top guy, maybe floating side to side. They're you know, or they just passed, and uh, the person starts shrimping and and turning their side, and all of a sudden that that dars comes open i see that happen a lot so uh, um you know like you said those high level people they don't just get position and then okay now it's time to go for the choke it it happens with all their movements all their movements are you know they're looking as as one of our previous guests said uh, brian marvin always be choking abc so uh you know always looking for it yeah, and we okay. So we, we always mention if you're new to BJJ, we got the audio book. We try to help you out your first year. Uh, if you're in your first year, first month, or first, you know, not much experience on the mat, you may not even be in many scrambles because you haven't. You have to uh, a either earn a dominant position to get somebody to scramble from, or b be in that bad spot and earn the scramble to try to escape. So both those things need to one of those needs to happen in order for the scramble. So if you never earn a dominant position you're always on defense and you can't create the scramble to begin with, then there's no scramble. And if, um, I think I said the backwards, if you're never in a good spot, like Mount, you're never going to have to make a scramble from your Mount, you know, or, or, or do some wild escape. If you're never, um, 
if you're always in the bad spot and never able to create the distance in order to start a scramble, well, then you're also not going to scramble from there either. So uh, scrambling is really often between two competitive people. I mean, uh, th- there's always that overlap of, of where um, people's techniques match up and somebody's better at this, better at that, but they they overlap here. That's when you're going to see the scramble a lot of times. Yep. And, you know, just from talking about scrambles here, you know, I realized that my – I've been having a little bit of trouble escaping side mount, which kind of crazy. used to be – I used to be very, very good at escaping side mount. I'd let people pass, you know, all the time just so I could escape it. And I think now I'm just becoming, you know, too lazy almost. And just talking about this made me realize I need to start working and trying to create a scramble from that position. And uh, and I can tell you that's uh, that's one of my goals here for the next uh, couple months. I'm going to work on creating scrambles. And, and it wasn't a goal I had up until we just started talking about this 30 minutes ago. I'm going to start working on uh, creating more scrambles when I'm in bad position and, and fighting to create the scramble instead of just saying, hey, I'm just going to see here and hopefully that guy makes a mistake, you know, and, and I'll get a better position. Let's let's put myself out of my comfort zone a little bit and, uh, you know, put myself into a scramble and, you know, I'll get tired, but I'm going to get better. So uh, that's going to be something I'm going to work on. Thanks to thanks to just our little talk right here. <laughs> and maybe you, somebody else has picked up something that they can work on based on this. Um, I'm always a fan of that, Gary. If you're in a bad spot and you can create a scramble, that's Better. You you occasionally hear the coaching advice. Let it. You gotta let him go for the armbar, and then you work your escape. Yeah. You gotta let him go for the choke, and you're gonna get out after that. But it's yeah. far better to escape the scramble or to create the scramble and try to get a neutral position, or if you're lucky, a dominant position. But really, Gary, yeah. if you scramble from side control to guard, that's pretty yeah. good. I'll take it. I'll, I'll take it as long as you know. I, I've been getting stuck in side control for a little longer than I want to. So, um, you know, I'll. I, I'm realistic. I look at baby steps. I mean, let's start my scrambles first and you know, and back up and guard or something or, you know, in a, in a neutral position. But I'm not going to quit there. Then I'm going to start working on, uh, you know, creating pressure and getting a little bit better angles and uh, trying to end up in an advantageous position. So, you know, it's a, it's going to be a process, but I'm going to work on it and get better. Gary, we both – I mean, it's for to me, Gary has a great size of control escape. Um, he, he has an underhook so quickly. I mean, before I could even secure side control, he's underhooking and he's out. So I don't know what his – I think he's being a little humble here complaining about his side control escapes. But to me, the underhook creates a great scramble. Uh, I escape with my uh, – without an underhook, I escape kind of with my forearm framing, and, and I turn in and escape that way. I think the underhook is the better play to create a scramble. Would you agree with that, Gary? You know, I, I think it's more to create a scramble, but people have now – become wise to my underhook, you know, or finding ways to defeat it. And so it's funny, you were talking about framing and I lack on my framing. That's exactly what's been going through my head this whole time. I need to uh, go back to old school framing. I'm relying on on a one trick pony, which I mean, there's nothing wrong with my underhook. It's working, works great in situations, but I need a plan B for situations where my underhook, uh, you know, has been nullified. So uh, that's kind of, you know, where I was going from that, uh, um, you know, if you roll with a lot of people at the same time, they, they start knowing your game. And, uh, I've been, uh, I've been, you know, having trouble. I used to think side control escape was one of my best. And here lately I've been thinking, uh, I need to go back and work on it. I've kind of rested on my laurels and people have caught up and, and figured out how to defeat it. So now I need to, uh, you know, go back to some of the basics, get a better frame and, you know, figure out different things from there. Gary, you when know, you, hit uh, I feel bad I should have told you about it, but when you went on vacation, I taught it how to defeat Gary's underhook class. 
And uh, we we brought in the best instructors from across the country, and uh, it it was it was awesome. And that's you're now uh, seeing the results of that. Well, I was going to say it sure feels like it. <laughs> but uh, note to self: never go on vacation again. <laughs> Take me with you, Gary. Yeah, actually, I'll never miss a vacation. <laughs> So, uh, any other uh, comments or thoughts about scrambling, Gary? We kind of wrapped up what we have today. You know, I think we've wrapped up everything we've had today. If uh, if any of our listeners there have any uh, questions or comments, definitely send them to us at bjjbrick at gmail dot com or post it on our Facebook page, and we'd love to uh, talk about it. But I, uh, you know, I, I know we already did our article the week too, but definitely check out a uh, uh, small axe BJJ. Oh, yeah. uh, there's an article, uh, um, if you go into the news there, Mental Revelations of the Progressing Grappler. And um, just a great one by Tim Sled, who's always, uh, always a fan of the show and has been on here numerous times. And, and we really appreciate all he's done for us. We Gary, we don't know if he's a fan of the show, but we're definitely a fan of his. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, well, he's probably a fan of two episodes. <laughs> uh, but I'll put a link to that in the show notes where it'll be easy for you to find and definitely check it out. I got I still gotta read that. I haven't checked that one out yet, Gary. But uh Yeah, see, I'm a I'm an overachiever. Right. That's why that's why you're helping me out here today, Gary. You're you're always yep. uh pulling this cart. Pulling the brick. <laughs> pulling the brick. <laughs> So I'd like to thank our guests, uh, Gary and uh, Tim Sled's article, <laughs> <laughs> which will be links to the show notes, which I got to read that. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, the bad thing is I couldn't think up of my own stuff, so I had to uh, plagiarize from Tim Sled. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not, Gary, you gave him credit, man. I mean, you just borrowed information from a great well, source. <laughs> I'm going to give him credit because he's going to choke me out. <laughs> and then, yeah, there you go. You don't need that to happen anymore. <laughs> So, uh, Gary, uh, here we go. Um, a lot of times we'll have a uh, segment we call Matt Tales, where people will send in like the crazy stories that happen on the mat or off the mat, but relevant to the to, to jiu-jitsu journey and just some great stories. And check out last week, we had a Matt Tales where, um, it, I don't want to tell you if you haven't heard it, but it had to involve the mouthpiece and it was pretty, pretty sad. Pretty but, uh, disgusting. If you've got a story that you want to share with the community and think it would be entertaining, send it to bjjbrick at gmail.com and we'll turn it into a Matt Tales episode. Uh, put it to some nice music and make it all uh, dramatic. But because we don't have one, we put the spotlight on Gary for our entertainment this week. So uh, Gary is trying to work on this audiobook, but it's weird because he doesn't even know the title of this audiobook yet. Uh, but he'll have to develop some content on the spot here. Gary, your audiobook this week, my friend, is called The Scramble What Fighters Eat for Breakfast. And it's a bit different. Is that right than most of your books? Or what do you got going on over there? Wait, uh, you cut out a second. Can you tell me the name of the title again? The Scramble What Fighters Eat for Breakfast. Okay, perfect. I, I missed what fighters. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, hey, this is uh, is one of my, uh, I personally think this is probably going to be in the New York Times bestseller for uh, audiobooks, if there is even a New York Times bestseller for audiobooks. And as you can see, that's my way of stalling, so I can think of what I'm going <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> um, is this more of a, a diet book, or is this, is it, what's, what's this about, how is this helping out the fighters that you're trying to sell this book? Oh. It's a diet book. Uh, you know, they don't call me the. Uh, they say, uh, you know, my diet's uh, second best behind the Dulce diet. So, uh, uh, but you know, my big thing is it's all about eggs. Um, you know, what better way to, uh, you know, repair your body through all the strong uh, beatdowns you're going to get 
Yep, over easy eggs, Gary, I'm assuming. No, no. <laughs> uh, we're going scramble. I mean, because if you think about it, you know, what's a great protein source? Uh, chicken, eggs, right? Yeah, chicken is good. Uh, some beef, some fish. Yeah, but eggs good. Oh, but eggs, yes. I forgot about yeah. eggs. What about uh, milk? Is milk a decent protein source? Not bad. Yeah, so, I mean, most people scramble eggs with milk. So you're not just getting eggs. You're also getting uh, milk into your eggs. So, uh, you know, it's kind of like a double dose. It's kind of like, uh, you know, getting a, a guillotine and an arm bar or a Kimura at the same time. You know, a double dose. So um, it's just going to make you a better fighter. You know by eating properly and um, you know what do you always want to have with your eggs Byron? eggshell a little bit of eggshell in there Gary no we want to make sure we don't get any eggshells but oh. some toast you know we're going to put a little bit of toast in there and um, you know we want to sprinkle some cheese on there and, and peppers you know the dark green peppers are you know great full of antioxidants will keep you on the mat so um, you know just uh, you know it's just going to be great nutrition advice from from myself who has no nutrition background. <laughs> Gary, I'm a little surprised. Which is the type of guy you want. Yeah. Advice. A little bit surprised on the recommendation of toast. I mean, you will frequently say, you know, you once you you know, once you're stuck in this, you know, this triangle, you're toast, you're, you're done. And you, I, you also say the art you eat. So, what do you recommend? Why are you recommending toast for people if they are what they eat? Well, you know, I was thinking of it the other way. Like, oh. You know, I'm, since I'm eating a lot of toast, I'm going to put people in, I'm going to toast people. Uh. I'm going to burn them. I'm going to put them in, uh, you know, some toastable situations. Toastable situations. That's yeah. a, I like that. Yeah, so, uh, you know, when I get you in a triangle of strangulation, I mean, that's a toastable situation, and you are toast. There we go. Makes sense. It's going to be yeah. an interesting yeah. book, I think. Yeah, well, actually, I think this might be one of my worst books ever, but um, um, who knows? I, I could be a could be a hit. When is, the, when is the last time? Because you're coming out of this book, and you know I'm probably the only person to interview about this, so I gotta you know, hit you with a hard. The last book question. I really read, wrote. Um, it wasn't an audio book, but it must have been in like kindergarten or first grade. <laughs> I wrote a book about Hank Aaron, and um, I actually still have that book. And, nice. Uh, you know, I was proud of that. And my brother and sister laugh at me all the time when. Uh, when uh, the family's together and somebody pulls that book out. I like that, Gary. That's, that's, yeah. a, that's a good story. <laughs> Gary, yeah. you got a little book you made as a kid and it's, it's yeah. stuck around. I'm going to try to find it. If I can, I'll, I'll take a picture of it and we'll put it on the uh, Facebook page. Absolutely. And then you have to write yeah. a little tiny paragraph <laughs> about how it relates to jiu-jitsu, Gary. I'm sure you can do it. You've tied scrambling eggs into jujitsu somehow you could tie in this little book you made as a child and this would be Gary's first article on our website yeah maybe somebody will actually buy it actually I think it's only half a book now because I if I remember right my dog ate and this is true yeah like the bottom half of it just shredded which uh, not toasted shredded so I'm thinking uh, maybe my dog uh, Augie Doggy, which would have been the dog at that point. I think maybe ate the bottom half of it. So that means I probably spilled toast on it or something. Well, I'm excited to, to see the book. And Gary, you got to get this up soon. Uh, also, we can post it on our Facebook page. That way you don't have to write your article. But I, I'm going to hold you to an article. I think this will be fun. Uh, it yeah. could be a one paragraph long, and you could make one of your buddies at work do it. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, hey, I got some IT professionals at work that can do it for me. You can relate yeah. anything to jujitsu. I know you could write a book, uh, relate a book you read, written as a kid about Hank Aaron to jujitsu, your passion for the sport, and how kids are passionate about jujitsu. Maybe I don't know, but uh, yeah, <laughs> that'll be in the future. So uh, that uh, I'm looking forward to that, Gary. Oh yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Also, speaking about our Facebook page, go ahead and find us on there and like us. We are also on Instagram, Twitter, and many other social media outlets, including YouTube. We're trying to pick up that a little bit in the next couple of weeks here. Get more stuff on the YouTube channel. Um, so that'll be great for everybody. Yep. Also on social media, check out our link to uh, Patreon. Uh, Patreon is a website for content producers and. Um, uh, basically, uh, it's a way to support the show, a way to show, uh, show support the BJJ Brick Podcast. Um, nothing uh, that we do, um, you know, costs a little bit of money, and we like to at least try to break even. So, um, Patreon, uh, basically, uh, you can support the show for a dollar a show, two dollars a show, three dollars a show. There's different levels, and it kind of explains that, um, you know. And we do have uh, four people, uh, you know, in, in our top level there. So definitely check that out. And if you do have a little bit extra uh, money or, or want to support us, uh, we'd appreciate everything you could do. All right. Well, I think that wraps us up, Gary. I want to encourage everybody to write a Matt Tales story and send it to us. If everybody uh, thinks about it. Maybe one or two people will actually do that and uh, send it to bjjbrick at gmail.com. I want to, uh, also, if you enjoyed the show, if you maybe picked up a tip or two about scrambling, uh, tell your friend about this. Maybe they will as well. If you're both better scramblers, it's going to help you both in the long run. So uh, uh, share this with a friend via social media or face-to-face, whatever is better or easier for you to do. So we appreciate that a ton. Yep, and also, too, uh, if you happen to be uh, traveling and you're uh, having to come through Wichita, Kansas, uh, let us know. Uh, send us an email, bjjbrick at gmail.com. Uh, send us a private message on our Facebook page. We'd love to uh, get on the match together and roll and maybe create, create a couple scrambles. I want you to scramble your eggs and stay sweaty, my friends. And don't forget to toast. Thank you for listening. I hope you find the time today to roll. After all, the best way to get better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu.